is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon Joe, my host, Dan. Yet we're absent, Nick. But that's okay because when you produce as much content as we do, Dan, it is all about work life pod balance. That is exactly right. We hope you're well out there. We hope you're staying safe. We hope that you are still as excited as we are about the Chelsea season and making sure that you give yourself a little TLC, a little R&R time, making sure that uh, if we are a part of that, great. If we're a part of killing that work day and getting to the end of the week for more Chelsea, we're happy to be a part of that too, Bram. Yeah. So obviously, uh, Nick taking uh, a sit tonight. Uh, but that's only because it is a huge London Derby coming at you this weekend, and we got to make sure that uh, the old powder keg is ready to go for that match review. We gotta, we gotta make sure he's in prime form. So, uh, anyways, let's go ahead and as we look into this one, Dan, it's gonna be the Arsenal match preview. In case you haven't figured that out by now, and look, this is this has always been a big one for us. Um, you know, we've done an episode with the Fancast crew, and we talked about rivals and. Arsenal's always been there. Look, we slipped to 10th one season, but we also won the Champions League. They've slipped, uh, you know, recently. And this is their first season, I think, in over 10 years without any European competition. So when we talk about rivals, you're the first one in our group to be like, you got to be competitive to be considered a rival. I believe so. Look, they're a mid-table minnow right now. They are potentially, if they were to get a result, even a draw, I think they're punching above their weight. And I I don't think it's wrong to say that, you know, when you look at the start of the season again, opening day versus Brentford, first time in the Premier League for most people's lifetimes, our lifetimes, that Brentford has been back in the Premier League and wins uh, at home versus an Arsenal team that just looked terrible they they looked awful they looked torn apart at the back and you know this is the knock on wood section where you you know just hope that you haven't jinxed yourself into giving too much good karma to this arsenal side and to Mikel Arteta but in general you have to think that we're coming in as undisputed favorites champions of Europe super cup champions having beat Palace three nothing and now looking more fully formed with better players in the pitch in almost every position i don't know i'm feel i'm feeling good yeah look they went to the brentford community stadium and got pumped i did speak that into existence you know we say that though dan they did the double over us last season they still have that bogey-esque voodoo juju against us and hopefully thomas ducal is here with the sage to exercise whatever demons that we have when it comes to arsenal uh but yeah look you say mid-table they're in 17th because they're negative two goal difference but again there's only been one match played uh it is hard to draw too many projections from this so uh before we get into all of this i think we want to take a quick moment remind everybody we're doing a ted lasso video podcast and we're putting it on patreon so if you want to check that out we drop it every sunday uh covering the previous friday's episode um and that has been a lot of fun it'll go live later but if you want to catch it in real time uh we're doing that right now and obviously we want to always shout out for patreon uh the discord has been banging i think we've had like 15 new people in the last like less than a week uh so a lot of people are getting involved in that i just did actually a big giveaway uh wednesday night of champions league final programs pennants that Porto bags. stuff 
your, yeah. your Porto Packaways. You finally got them out of the bag. You finally put them up for giveaway. And you I did. did a wonderful service for our community. A lot of happy people. You know, I was working during that time, and I saw all the Discord notifications Light popping up. up, and people were just... Pfft, over hey, the moon. You, you soaked up all the goodness. It's true. We give back to that community as much as we possibly can. There'll be more this season. We can promise you that. So, you know, look, at the middle, at the end of the day, the, the Discord chat server is, is the best part about it. It's a community that everyone's built there. So go check it out. And then lastly, Dan, we would just ask for Apple Podcast Reviews. And we've just kind of realized that it's they are working. They're doing magic. Well, they help people find us. You know, I think we we make an impassioned plea at the beginning of every episode, and we just want to take a moment of your time for all of this wonderful free Chelsea content that we put out every week to say, if you have a few moments to leave a five-star review, it means the world to us. There's so many nice things that people say about the podcast. Uh, you can, you know, leave a five-star review and say, why Chelsea play so good? Or why why do Brandon, Nick, and Dan pod so good? And answer <laughs> that question. And it'll be really funny. So just go leave a five-star review. We really appreciate it. Borrow a friend's advice, borrow a co-worker's advice, borrow a loved one's advice. However you get a five-star review on here, we don't really care. But we appreciate it. it. helps people find us. And that's a great thing to do. But we we should talk about the match, Brandon. We've got a great match well, coming up. And we've got positive news ahead of it, though. Exactly. But instead of just diving right in um, uh, to the to the juicy stuff, uh, Naz, good old friend of the pod, Naz Kinsella, uh, tweeting that Chelsea are to offer Trevor Chalaba a contract extension after Thomas Tuchel explains that he wants him for the first team in a fresh meeting. And Naz goes on to say what's significant about this is that it sends a message to the Academy stars that they can break through under Thomas Tuchel. With Tammy Abraham leaving Gilmore on loan, it looked like it could be the end of the youth era. It's still hard to come through at CFC, but not impossible, which I think, Dan, at the end of the day, is what we wanted to hear. We talked about at the beginning of the season and even in our pre-match or preseason podcast about how difficult it's going to be with such an established side to find your way into it. This is a side, fresh European champions, you know, minted and forged through battle in from January, essentially, to now. Players that were on the outs who looked like they weren't going to be a part of Chelsea's long-term plan finding new life under Thomas Tuchel and it was going to be difficult for someone to play uh, play themselves into the side to state their claim and that is exactly what Chalaba has done with the benefic- benefit of being back with the squad before a lot of people came back from the Euros playing up to his potential and every moment he's gotten never really putting a foot wrong and having a just lights out debut in the Premier League and so this is just you know there's a lot of feel-good stories I think Lukaku coming back is an absolute feel-good story all the content that Chelsea have put out over the past week the Lee Parker interview him walking around Cobham and talking about the history of things like they doesn't love pineapple on pizza that he doesn't understand people who drink sparkling water which i took as a personal affront to me because that's the only type of water i drink most of the time yeah look there's a lot of feel-good stories right now this one might be the most feel-goody of all the feel-good stories yeah look you got the mishi one-year extension goes on loan i think even uh, miazga did the one-year extension went back on loan i think there's a lot of players that were sitting here as chelsea youth will put on twitter's rinse and repeat rinse and repeat and he's so fatigued uh with those senior players you know kind of taking up Chelsea's time and effort he is he's going to be thrilled if uh Trevor can finally get in and, and cement his place because I think at least his fans were all sitting here going hey it's well earned now I still think he has a lot to prove and especially a consistency 
but you'd say he's done everything that he could possibly do, uh, even scoring on his Premier League debut to earn him that right. So uh, let's go ahead and follow that. But uh, from new from Naz, big big news. So as we turn well, our attention, it'd be interesting to see. You know, just I think we have to create kind of like what's the benchmark for like a successful season with him staying. And in my mind, that's probably somewhere around. 20 appearances um with you know at least double digit starts when you think about fa cup when you think about league cup when you think about some of the group stage matches think about the cup uh cup world cup there's going to be enough matches for him to get serious minutes if he is you know potentially the solution for maybe one of these two or three or four center backs who are going to be out of contract next season if the club has any inkling that someone isn't going to renew and is going to leave on a free at the end of next season, having him here now, having him here early only helps not only for this season. It means that next season is even so much easier, too. Yeah. Free out, free in. Got to love that. All right. Turning our attention to Arsenal, they've actually made some news. And I don't think any of their Arsenal fans are going to be happy to see this, ironically. And I think the rest of us in the league are kind of snickering at this. So uh, Sky Sports Premier League tweeted a busy day Arsenal. They are allegedly about to be finishing the signing of uh, Udegaard from Real Madrid and uh, Aaron Ramsdale from, let's see, who did he get relegated by this last time? Bournemouth, Sheffield, yep. Okay, now Arsenal, yeah. So he's uh, been on double relegation teams. Obviously not his fault as a goalkeeper, but uh, not a great track record. So Arsenal are now, as of today, before Man City by Harry Kane, (laughs) the biggest spenders of summer 2021, which includes fees and potential add-ons. They're at 129 million. Man United in second at 114. Man City third at 100 million for one Jack Grealish. <laughs> Chelsea at 97.5 million for Un Lukaku. Uh, and Villa at 93 million. Leicester at 55 million. That is a quick slope. There is 80 million between Leicester and Arsenal in that list. Uh, it drops off fast. But again, Arsenal fans less than thrilled these are you know you could say Odegaard is good but like Ramsdale is there just to provide competition to their their like bang average goalkeeper in Leno and Ramsdale's gonna cost more than 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 Mendy (laughs) yeah Edouard Mendy you know best one of the best records ever in European football for Champions League run in terms of clean sheets and goal allowed um you know, one of the best in terms of total starts in the Premier League to clean sheet ratio, like, and you're paying more. And and again, obviously, there's a little bit of the uh, kind of national tax, as it were. But you think about, you know, 50 million for Ben White, you know, I think they spent somewhere in the range of like 12 to 15 on uh, Lokonga, the midfielder from Anderlecht. They had Taveras, his left back from Benfica. So, I mean, they've added in a couple positions, but none of it to me screams like this is the, these are the types of signings that take Arsenal from where they are today and makes them a better side that like marginally. And, and, and some of them like Ramsdale is the backup until Leno probably finishes out his contract would be my guess. It's not, it's not inspiring. And I know like we're not an Arsenal podcast, but it's just something to put out there, right? Is that Arsenal are spending the cash. And for us to walk into this game and feel really not a huge threat at all 
it just goes to the fact that their club is in a terrible situation right now. Recruitment, managers, and obviously the the Crunkies as owners, I don't think anyone is thrilled by them at all. And then lastly, you know, we want to talk about who's like a threat for Arsenal or whatever. We don't even get to know. Everyone has COVID. Who's going to be on the pitch? (laughs) Everyone at Arsenal has COVID. And I don't mean it in jest. I'm like actually concerned of how do this many players get it are you know it's like this is a wild outbreak that we haven't seen at other clubs at the Premier League because they have protocols they have bubbles but uh Obama Yang obviously last weekend out with COVID should be in contention for this weekend but Lacazette's out um who else has uh Partey's out Magalise is out Nketiah is out Runnerson out with COVID, William out with COVID, and again Lacazette and Aubameyang out with COVID. Aubameyang having a chance to play. It's just Four it's a wor- it's just a worrying yeah. time for them. It's like what can they do right? But that just reinforces why we are so much more comfortable heading in uh, to this match, Dan. I mean the fact that it's uh, you know going to be at the Emirates Stadium, meh. Their fans are going to walk out in the 75th minute anyways. <laughs> Um, look, I, I think first off, it's it's unfortunate that so many players at Arsenal have contracted uh, COVID and, and hopefully that they do not have any type of the negative symptoms that uh, can plague people. Uh, they all have speedy recoveries. I mean, that's 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 not anything you want to see. Um, I'm always a fan of playing playing the best like i i want them to have a full side lineup because i don't want the excuse after the fact yeah of, no well, shot you know half of our lineup or mm-hmm. you know eight out of 11 players that we would have played aren't out right now like i i don't want the whataboutism or the excusism to cur- occur i would rather play their best lineup and, and win it on the day with that being said i do think this presents a pretty difficult challenge i mean look there there are still dangermen on this side i mean tyranny looked pretty good in in that first appearance even though they they did concede the two goals Saka is a, is a really you know strong player as well that would be interesting to see how how he matches up and if he can make something happen um Granit Xhaka I mean has kind of come around a little bit it seems like he might be um a force to be reckoned with but uh yeah I just I'm I'm not sure I I, I just I mean, Emil Smith Rowe is probably the other one who, you know, people are looking at him getting the number 10 shirt. Uh, I think people were tweeting, you know, he's, he's too good. Somebody come save him from our club. One Arsenal fan said, like, I just, it's, it's bad times at Arsenal. It's really bad time. Yeah. I think the fact that the Arsenal fans are really hoping that Bamiang and Lacazette go to Barcelona, you just, the state of affairs there, no identity, no plan, no structure, and that's why I think as we look at our mood going into this match, it's just like, oh shit, is Lukaku about to feast on the Gunners in his re-Premier League debut? Debut Actually, has I don't know if he started a match. Anyways, he's back at Chelsea. He's most likely going to make his debut. We know how fit he was this offseason. He was in the Euros. He was ready to go at Milan, came to Chelsea, quarantined for a few days, and then was in training immediately. I mean, this could potentially, not to overhype it, but to overhype it, Dan, this could like cement him in Chelsea folklore like Diego Costa was able to because he bullied the shit out of Arsenal. You just knew Diego Costa was going to just turn up the dirt at Arsenal and they were going to lose their minds. 
like Lukaku could endear himself to the fans very quickly in cult hero status if he just smashes in a brace tomorrow and just dances his way off as he gets subbed off to a standing ovation from the away fans in the 80th minute. Well, I mean, Drogba likes scoring against Arsenal too. Yeah, so you have the the hero to uh, one Romelu Lukaku who potentially inspires him to do similar terrible things to Arsenal. I think the mood has to be it's a carefree mood. You know, I, I think we're still living high. I, I think, thankfully, the the one Thomas Tuchel is pretty grounded in terms of his ability to keep the squad focused uh, and, and making sure maybe that the moment doesn't get away from him. Obviously, there was that weird moment in training, the open training that was held at Stamford Bridge. And if you don't know about this, Chelsea held a open practice for fans to watch the team to reintroduce Lukaku he got to answer some questions and you know do some stand-up as our friend Amity was making the joke about uh kind of hands behind the back ready to go and face the crowd and then some idiot gets the microphone and says they want Timo Werner out of the club and uh credit to the the one or two people who just said like you get out you leave it was really it was great zach um, the presenter like quick pivoted olivia also was covering yep. up so, like friends obviously we've known olivia a long time met zach in porto but like what a terrible position you put everyone else in like timo's f- 65 yards away like proper dickhead yeah, yeah. I- i'm sure werner don't care it- he werner is uh werner is don draper and uh he's like i don't think about you like the the moment after that happened, he walked off the elevator and he don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. Um, let's go ahead. Obviously, kind of make sure we continue to stay on Chelsea for this section a little bit. Uh, we can talk about starting elevens uh, as we as we always like to do. The problem is we do these before the manager press conference, so we're bound to make something wrong. But we did realize that. Pulisic has actually kind of gone missing from training photos and things like that. So we've uh, started to uh, test our water, see if we can find any update on Christian based on the people that we know. But it's it's not looking likely that Christian is going to be available at the weekend. For him to miss Wednesday and allegedly today uh, is not good, and potentially even starting on Tuesday. Uh, let's the rumors are he has COVID, but we don't know yet, and the club don't disclose those things. So unless Ducal gives something, uh, we're not going to know about Pulisic. But I think we can make an educated guess that he's not going to be there. Dan, the other thing that we have going for us is that uh, we did have that behind closed doors friendly last Sunday, where a lot of guys ended up getting minutes that needed them. You know, Tago Silva played, uh, Reese played quite a bit. Um, uh, did, I, shit, did Chilwell play? I'm assuming he did. Um, in the friendly, yeah, yeah, yeah in the behind closed doors, the 13 nil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, I think that that maybe opens up the availability of players for Tuchel, and then obviously with having a week off finally between matches, you'd assume he has pretty much everybody at his disposal. Yeah, I think this is probably the hardest 11 to pick at the moment because you're thinking about who's fit who's ready to go does Tuchel want to disrupt the positivity because there was a lot of things that worked really really well in that Crystal Palace match there's a lot of things that worked really really well in the Super Cup match and how much is he going to want to disrupt that I think ZS is training again already which is actually really impressive probably not in contention to play though yeah, I, I would agree with that. I'm happy to see that it might be a 
shorter recovery turnaround than his last season, beginning of the season injury, which kept him out a much longer time. And uh, obviously knee injury, shoulder injury, just a little bit different in terms of the uh, time in football that's going to keep you out. I I think... So I went with Mendy uh, between the sticks, uh, no shocker. I think he keeps the same back three um, of Chalaba, Christensen, and Rudiger. I just I don't see Rudiger really kind of being one of the droppables in this uh, back three. I think it's actually Chalaba and Christensen who are most likely you know, potentially get subbed around. Obviously Silva in that central position could be there. You know, if you want to play Reese or Callum in the right wing, you might put Aspie in there. I just, I just think go with, go with what worked. I mean, go with what worked and was really impressive in the last game. I think you get Aspie on one side with Conte and Jorginho. If Conte's healthy, he starts every game. I think Jorginho looked perfectly fine in the Crystal Palace match. Uh, and then I think you continue with Alonso. Like he just, he was blue fueled and uh, looked ready to go. And then I think it's, I've, I've been torn on this. I think Lukaku starts and look, you know, this is going to be the thing I say here now and Friday morning, UK time after this is already out, Tuchel says, oh, we're going to plan for, you know, 30 minutes or 40 minutes. Um, I, I think he starts. I just think it's it's a big game. It's a London derby. We want to kind of keep the, the pedal to the metal. I think you put Lukaku up front, and then you have Havertz and Mount uh, flanking him uh, just behind. And so I, I feel like that's a pretty solid 11. Um, but I, I, I see that you have a couple differences here than me, and I, I don't I don't hate them. I, I think they're very logical. Look, I just want to touch on the Lukaku thing right away. I think you play him. He is hungry. He is ready to go. And to be fair, Chelsea have milked the shit out of his transfer, Dan. To this, the amount of content. There's a photo shoot and on this lifestyle shoot, and we've like heard about his pineapple and pizza. It just he's ready to go. He's like, look, I'm gonna play ball. He is so hungry and ready to play the moment he's available. He knows it's a London derby. And in my mind, because now we have Lukaku, you got a lot of options, right? I think I think Tuchel says, put the big man on right away. And if we have to sub him at 60, 65, 70 minutes, don't give a shit because we got Timo Werner on the bench. It's going to come run him, run him ragged the rest of the way down or whatever it may be. So because of those options that he does have, I think he goes with the big man right away. So I also have Havertz, Lukaku, and Mount up top. I think uh, the amount of play that those three can have will just be terrorizing for that Arsenal back line. Um, and then working my way backwards, I had Conte Kova in the middle. I had Jorginho right away, but I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like Kovacic like, is tidier and seems to do better against Arsenal. And if we want to progress the ball against kind of a mediocre Arsenal side, you don't really need Jorginho, but whatever. We'll, we'll kind of see. I can flip on that. We should, we should go back and look. I I, I feel like you know we, we got the double done on us last season by Arsenal, right? That's we mentioned true. that earlier. I'm, I'm not sure what our midfield pairing was there as we talk about it in this moment, but I, I would imagine it was one of a... Conte Jorginho or Conte Jorginho and, and Kovacic I'm sure of those three two of them started in the midfield for sure uh, I don't think Billy was in that one necessarily um, but I've got Conte Kova is what I'm going to go with and then I think I've got Reese James and Alonzo as wingbacks I mean Alonzo again I think we're gonna have time on the wings you put him let him dance he kind of earned it it feels like I know I'm not saying Aspie's out of the team for good I just feel like 
Reese James started to get some minutes, he can fly down the wing and really press Arsenal back. I think Tuchel might look at those options in the width. Uh, and then in the back, I've got Shalaba, Silva, and Rudiger. I mean, Trevo, it, he's earned it. Like, tell me why he shouldn't be there. And and that that means like hard done for Aspie, right? Because Aspie could play right center back. He could play right wing back. I don't have him as either, but you want to put out a strong team. You know, I just think that Trevo's earned it just like you do. And then, like I said, I think Silva can dance. I think he's ready to go. You quarterback him against this Arsenal team. And then Rudiger, Rudiger keeps his place because he's earned it. So uh, Mendy in between the sticks, no, no doubt there. So let us know what you guys' lineup is. Be really interested to see. I, I hope we don't miss anything from a negative news standpoint when it comes to Tuchel's presser. Um, so we'll we'll kind of see how that goes. Uh, as we continue down on the score predictions, Dan, you said 7-1. You want to explain that? <laughs> I said 0-3 to oh, Chelsea since we're the away sorry. team and scoring is weird. And uh, no, I, I, think, I think I will ratchet it down to two goals if Lukaku comes in as a sub, but I think that we will, if he's starting, I'm, I'm going to say it's three. Hey, remember when Nick said he guarantees a goal in the first 15 minutes of Lukaku's Chelsea restart career? I can love that. That was, that was one of my favorite things he's ever said. Hey, and that just proves <laughs> you that I listen when I'm not on to make sure I don't get blasted. So uh, anyways, Nick, we'll be holding you to that prediction because I think he's going to start. And I think if Nick were on here, he'd say Lukaku's going to start too. So hey, zero to 15 minutes we gotta we'll keep an eye watch on that and see how it goes uh look i still you know mendy clean sheet machine the back line looks settled you know i i i have to my immediate reaction dan was i predict we'd concede last week right i'm gonna predicted that we're gonna concede this week but then i realized like the days of frank lampard are no longer here and the back line is settled like tuchel's figured it out you know, there's only blips uh, defensively when we concede. And so while Arsenal do have very talented attackers, they don't always mesh well. They don't always gel well. But I think I'm just still concerned or not ready to buy in 100% yet to be like, yep, no problem. One nothing, two nothing. We lock it up. We're there. But shouldn't I? Like, hasn't this team done enough? Here's the thing. Uh, so would you say that we are a better side than Brentford? Yes. But we okay. lost to Arsenal twice last year. I just follow follow my my logical line of questioning here. Okay. So if Arsenal were only able on twenty two shots against Brentford with sixty five percent possession, able to actually get four shots on target, do you think that Arsenal will end up with more shots and more shots on target versus Chelsea's defense? This weekend, because my gut would say maybe they have more shots on target, even though we we really are stubborn when we want want, when we want to be. I doubt they get into the 15 plus range in terms of shots over the entire game. Even double digits might be difficult. So in general, that that's the thing. I mean, the thing I think people lose context around is like we just we soak up, we absorb, we own the ball for long stretches of time. It was like 40 some odd passes in that that build up to that goal last week. Like th- this side is just it's fucking fun to watch. We're dominant. And, you know, Shane asked the question in the discord is like, why are we a great team? Like we're a great team for so many reasons. But one of the reasons is we just don't give other teams a, a foot in the door. Yeah. 
we put a no solicitation side outside and we're like, sorry, no, not home. We're not taking you. We're not even answering the door. Yeah, well, I'm going to go ahead and be the pessimist and still say 3-1. But uh, I was on oh. the Chelsea website and the reverse fixture last year was Conte COVID to start and Jorginho came on at halftime. We lost 3-1. We gave up a pen and then Xhaka scored in the 44th minute right before halftime. Saka scored in the 56th minute. And that was under Lampard, right? So... It all went to shit. He uh, subbed Jorginho on for Conte at halftime. Havertz on for Conte. Or I'm sorry, Jorginho for Kovacic at halftime. Havertz on for Conte. hudson Adoy on for Werner at halftime. And we just like threw the kitchen sink. And unfortunately, I think too many changes too quickly. And it it completely changed the team. But um, I just, I don't see that happening. And if it matters to, to any of you, let me scroll back down here. Uh, referees Paul Tierney. So... Constantine Hazidakis and Neil Davies are his assistant referees. So um, let us know what you guys think on the score predictions. Again, I'm feeling super positive. I have no concerns. I just, you know, I guess I'm still hedging my bets that we're going to concede, which is probably totally unfair um, of of me. But uh, here I am, maybe carrying the flag for Nick a little bit on that one. So (laughs) Uh, last one we have it is one improbable prediction. Yeah, this is like on the ledge, right? You know, mm. you, you make a kind of bold claim, you know, you see if it, it pans out. If it doesn't, no harm, no foul. But like, you know, if you want something to happen or you think it might, this is a, a good chance to throw it against the wall see if it sticks. Man, I just, you know, I think about all the like the fun moments you've had against Arsenal, the Hazard spinning, um, spinning Coquelin like a top. You think of Diego Costa stepping on Gabriel, then him kicking him and getting sent off. Um there's just so many weird, fun moments with Chelsea and Arsenal. You know, Arsenal, as silly as it sounds, they're fighting for their season already. I mean, getting pumped 2-0 by Brentford away the first match of the season, they have to immediately rectify the situation. But the thing is, Odegaard and Ramsdale aren't going to be eligible. I mean, they're not going to play. You know, they're just getting signed. Yeah, I think there, there was... I think it was Fabricio maybe tweeting that a regard might be able to make the match. Ramsell most likely would not. And so that does give you potentially a little bit of uh, additional midfield support for them. Um, you know, if I were going to go something kind of crazy, like something just like off the top of my head, it'd be kind of fun to see. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I love, a. I love defenders scoring. I think uh, Christensen getting his, uh, if he plays, getting his first uh, <laughs> first Chelsea goal uh, would be pretty wild. Um, keep up the uh, keep up the goal scoring form from his time in the Euros. That'd be ideal. Arsenal have as many midfielders as forwards. What in the hell is going on with their composition? Well, they wanted they wanted Martinez, right? You know, they wanted Martinez. We signed Lukaku, so you know we've we've already been a foil to their plans for this season just within our transfer dealings. That was Spurs. Spurs wanted Latara Martinez. No, Arsenal wanted him too. Whatever. Everyone sucks. Like we win. The irony, Dan, is that we actually have like twelve midfielders and only two forwards. But you know, Kai, Hakim, Callum. What is a forward? A forward uh, is yeah, we could, they're forward fluid, look, is what they yeah, are. We could we could get into that. They're attackers, honestly. Um, I think my one improbable prediction. I mean, wouldn't it? I don't know. I mean, I could say something silly just to see if it happens, but 
I mean, Trevo scored last weekend, so like that's probably the most improbable thing that we could see. Um, I'll just go with. I think it'd be super improbable if we score. I don't know. I don't know. You guys fill me in. I got nothing. Like what? Score off a free kick? Did that last week? Not that improbable. Like what? Ben Chilwell <laughs> plays? I mean, that's probably like the most improbable thing right now. I I got nothing. I'm boring. You guys can all blast me on Discord. I apologize. Um, but I don't know. Overall, Dan, I am hyped to play Arsenal. We got to wait till Sunday, though, right? We're the we're the yep. mainstream match on Sunday, whatever that's about. Ten thirty a.m. kickoff Central Time, which is what eight thirty your time, eleven thirty Eastern. Uh, so make sure you guys set your clocks and be ready. I'm gonna have to to maneuver the schedule around a little bit to be available. But this is, I think, a good test because. Arsenal are still a big team, big stadium. You know, they do have some good players, although a lot of people are out with COVID and injuries. It's about to hit crunch time in the schedule very early on, Dan. I think this is a great, like, soft run of playing a big team. Does that make sense? It Well, it is, because when you think about the fact that, so next, the weekend after next, we play Liverpool. So you might have a top of the table clash between a Liverpool side that goes to play Burnley. Uh, Burnley plays them at home this weekend. Burnley did not look terribly great. Uh, I think Liverpool will have no problem um, against them this weekend. No shot. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I think that's no issue. I mean, United probably could continue their blistering form against Southampton, a team that loves to ship goals. Um and Man City can rebound a little bit versus Norwich. So, you know, they start looking at some of the matches coming up here. And, and Arsenal, for them, this is a, a little bit of a murderous row. They have Chelsea now. I mean, they have Brentford first. I mean, like right there, we knew it was coming down the hill. But then they have us and then they have City next. Like they, they do not have an easy run either. Uh, West Ham Leicester play this weekend. Like there's a lot of good matches. Like I, if you're if you're making plans to do something else like in be around to hang out with loved ones, you might be in trouble. Yeah. So again, like Dan said, Leicester after Arsenal, then you have Villa at home, Spurs away, Man City at home, and that rounds out the month of September. So again, the fact that we have to play Arsenal, Liverpool, uh, even Villa, who, if they get it together, can be a good team, Spurs and City, that is a tough run of five fixtures. Uh, so like I said, I think it's a good soft run as we head into this one. So anyways, uh, we're going to take a real quick break. When we get back, we're not going to be here, Dan. We're not. We're gonna. This is the second part. It's the second time that we have Phil, also known as Chelsea Youth, giving you about a ten to fifteen minute update on what's going on with the academy, how they've done the Premier League two so far, how the U18s are getting on, all the things you want to know that we've been asked about in our season survey. So we're gonna let you take a listen to that uh, after this uh, one flag break, and we want to thank the sponsors for financially supporting the show. Boom! Nailed it. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Academy on the London is Blue podcast with me, Phil, better known as Chelsea Youth. The season is finally underway, so let's dive straight in and catch up with what's happened over the past week. We'll kick off with the development squad, who opened their campaign with a 2-2 draw away to Tottenham Hotspur at Stevenage's Lamex Stadium this past Monday night. Harvey Vale scored both of the goals in the first half in a really tough match for Andy Myers' boys. They were under pressure for the majority of the 90 minutes, and Spurs 
were able to fight back in the second half. They had a disallowed goal just before half time, but Dylan Markenday and Janiel Bennett scored in the second half to earn them a deserved point. They had more chances. They were probably the better team, and Chelsea will probably be happy with going home back to Cobham with a result. They were able to welcome back a few players who didn't have the strongest, the, the, a full preseason. Dion Rankin, Xavier Mbiamba, Brian Fiabema and Charlie Webster were all unavailable for various portions of the summer. So they came back into the team, maybe lacking a little bit of match sharpness, but it was good to have them back. Um, Harvey Vale was obviously the standout, took his two goals very well in the first half. He was sharp, he was instinctive, playing in his preferred role as a central attacking midfielder. He won the penalty that he scored, and then he capitalised on a defensive mistake for the second, showing great composure. And picking up where he left off last season, you may recall that in the last game back in May, away to Blackburn, he scored a goal and laid on three assists. So picking up where he left off is a... Really promising sign for a player who turns 18 in September and has already stepped up the age groups, looking good for the future. Lucas Bergstrom also had a really strong performance in goal that night. He made several key saves to make sure that Chelsea were in a position A, to take the lead, and then B, to hold on to a point. It was a particularly pleasing moment for him after... Some tricky moments in the second half of last season where he made a couple of mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes from time to time, but they're highlighted when they're a goalkeeper because they're usually costly. He's been able to spend some time with the first team over the summer, build his confidence, get playing with those guys in that higher age group, challenge yourself to improve and to play on their level, come back to the development squad and bring all that back with you. So that was really encouraging to see. In front of him, he had Sam McClelland, captain of the team, and Bashir Humphreys, who looked very good. As two-thirds of the three centre-backs, the team played a 3-4-3 formation, much like Thomas Tuchel's first team. The academy have used that system for a long time, going back to even before Antonio Conte came to Chelsea. Um, Humphreys was really quite impressive because he's only just stepped up from the under-18s, having spent the previous two seasons with that age group. This is now his age group as an under-19, slotting in on the left side of those three and then moving into midfield for the last 20 minutes to add a little bit of physical presence and bite into a, a team that had Ben Elliott and George McEachran both on yellow cards. Um, on the right of those three was Mbiamba, who is still trying to feel his way back from a long time injured. You may recall he joined Chelsea about this time last summer, but had a, a long-term knee injury. They kept him out maybe until the early spring. He played five matches, 300 or so minutes at the back end of last season. And then he had some issues in the off season. So he definitely looked a yard short of pace and not at his best. He was given a really tough assignment against uh, the lively Mark and Dave for Tottenham, who is smaller, has a lower center of gravity and gave him a real going over at times. Um, and he was also one v one against Bennett, who is a very talented winger at Tottenham who likes to come inside from the left. And, it's it's definitely a learning curve for him. He's got the tool set and the physical attributes and he, he's a lump of clay that you can mould into a top quality centre-half. He just needs a lot more football, a season free of injury to play himself into form and into confidence at Chelsea. And those mitigating circumstances that saw him have a few struggles on his first game this season, they'll go away as time goes on and he he shows play, people what he's really capable of. And... You bring him into the team at good form. You can welcome back Jude Soonstart-Bell back from illness, Xavier Simons and Joe Haig. There's players still to come back into this development squad as the schedule goes on. 
Next up for them is Manchester United at Stamford Bridge on Friday, which promises to be a really high quality under-23 match. United also drew their first match of the season 2-2 at home to Leicester. They need an injury time equaliser from Charlie McNeil to take a point from that match. Going back to last turn, you may remember that Chelsea beat them 6-1 at Kings Meadow in a rampant performance. Western Sub Valentino Andrin ran riot. They reconvened at Lee back in uh, April, where United won 4-2 against a relatively depleted Chelsea team. And they had Bergstrom sent off quite early in that match, so there were some mitigating circumstances there too. Either way, there'll be a crowd at Stamford Bridge. Their match will be broadcast live on Chelsea platforms, on Chelsea TV, on the fifth stand, on the website, and on YouTube. So make sure you pay attention to that one. And then next week, we welcome back the EFL Trophy, which will see League One and League Two teams take on 16 Category 1 Academy sides, under-21 teams, invited by the Football League, as it's been the case for the last five years. Chelsea have been drawn into a group with Bristol Rovers and Cheltenham and Exeter City, who they've faced this coming Wednesday. It's another southwest group for the Blues. It's a lot of travelling. It's inconvenient for them, but this is the way the competition has ended up going for them in previous years. So they've played Bristol Rovers multiple times. They've played Exeter multiple times. Cheltenham will be a new team, but we'll get to them in October and November. Exeter are one of the more exciting young academies outside of the top two categories in the EPPP system. They tend to have quite a few of them in the first team squad and they use this competition to bring through some more of them. It'll be a challenging match. Chelsea reached the first knockout round last season before falling to Walsall. They'll hope to go at least as far this time around. Moving on to Ed Brand's under-18s. They had a winning start to the season last Saturday when they beat West Bromwich Albion 5-2 at Cobham. Leo Castledine opened the scoring. Ronnie Stutter added the first of two goals before halftime. And despite a West Ham West Brom comeback where Reyes Cleary scored twice, either side of a Lewis Hall penalty, Zane Silcott-Dubry was able to add some daylight to the scoreline before Stutter finished the win off with a fifth, an emphatic header after some good play by Edwin Anderson. Ed Brand picked a fairly youthful team there were five second year players which are 17 year olds to turn 18 this season and six new first years who are 16 they've just signed their scholarships and are now at this level full time those five second years didn't necessarily play a lot of football last season the likes of Prince Adagoke and Derek Abu Josh Tobin got some minutes here and there but they mostly played as a a backup role or a, a rotational role as they came along a slightly slower development curve. But they're all looking like mainstays for this team this season. A team that has typically played 3-4-3, like the development squad, like the first team, like it runs through the academy. There were a few tweaks and variations on it for this particular match, which saw Abu sort of tuck inside as the third centre-half in a back four, allowing Richard Olise on the left to get forward a bit and sort of tilt the balance against a, a West Brom team that tried to match up with Chelsea wing-back for wing-back. That meant that they were never quite able to get a handle on Chelsea's player rotation. Lewis Hall had a brilliant match in central midfield with some... Uh, some quality passing into the channels where Ronnie Stutzer is very adept at uh, 
working hard, finding the right angles and then bringing other players into play. He worked well with Anderson and Jimmy Tarianen in the first half in particular. Tarianen went off injured just before halftime, but it doesn't look too serious. He was able to walk off and was walking under his own power afterwards. Louis Flower came on for him and Flower's another player who is very much at home, running the channels, working hard and then linking with other players around him. That showed him the number of chances that Chelsea were able to create and ultimately that they were able to pull away, open up a lead, force West Brom into losing Dan Ngoma, who was sent off for two yellow cards, forehauling Louis Flower back on the counter-attack and establishing themselves top of the league after round one. It was their biggest opening day win in... Seven years, they now take that good form into a trip to Tottenham, who lost 4-2 in their first match of the season away to double defending Southern champions Fulham. It's always a competitive match when Chelsea and Tottenham play at under-18 level. It's particularly competitive when it's at Tottenham. Chelsea won 1-0 up there last season with a Dion Rankin goal, which served to avenge slightly a 6-1 defeat that Tottenham inflicted on Chelsea back at Cobham. And yeah, both teams have a, a, a slew of new first years to come in. So some of the players who were involved last season, Dane Scarlett was prolific in that 6-1, but he's been involved with Tottenham's first team. So you wouldn't expect to see him, for example. Um, and they'll be looking to continue their form there. Then they'll travel to Norwich the week after before they go into the international break. To finish with, we're going to take a look at some of the young players who've gone on loan this season and who've started to impress early on or are looking to establish themselves in their new homes for the coming season. At the very top of the list is Levi Colwell, who's joined Huddersfield Town for the season, gone straight into their team under Carlos Corberan, playing on the left of their defence. Town have struggled in their opening three games, but he's played every minute. Looks every inch of the Rolls-Royce prospect that he's been touted at Chelsea and looks so much at home in the championship that you really do find it hard to believe that he's 18 and this is his first taste of senior professional football. There's a new generation of England under-21 players to be called up for this international break in, in September. He could be in contention. It would be an age group or two above where he would normally fit. But the FA have shown that they are willing to allow players to jump up the age groups once they get into senior football, once they start to prove themselves at quality levels like the championship. And with a bunch of other players, for example, Trevor Chaloba, who's been outstanding for the first team, misses out on qualifying for this age group now. He's graduated from the under-21s. They'll be looking to bring in some more centre-halves. Also in the championship, we've got Ian Martson and Jake Lotzalter, both at Coventry City. There's a Chelsea connection there with A.D. Vivash as the assistant manager to Mark Robbins at the Rico Arena. Clark Salter played probably his best academy football under Vivash at Chelsea when he was at the heart of a defence alongside Fakayo Tomori that won two FA Youth Cups and two UEFA Youth League titles. He had a really strong spell at Birmingham City a few years ago, returned there for a second spell, that season didn't go well on or off the pitch for Birmingham. It affected all of the players and it didn't really go well for Clark Salter. So he's now looking to bounce back in a, a new environment with somebody he trusts and with a couple of former Chelsea colleagues in the team. So Martin's playing the same side as him. On the other side, you've got Fankadi Darbo, who was in the academy for several years. He's been at Coventry for three seasons now and is one of their most influential players. There'll be a team to watch if you just just for a little blues touch away from Chelsea, if you like. Down in League One, Jamie Cumming has started really well at Gillingham. 
He was at Stevenage last season, his first taste of senior football, had an outstanding season there in League Two, has now stepped up to League One, sort of trying to emulate the journey that Nathan Baxter has gone in gone on in the previous three, four years. He went from the National League to League Two to League One to Scotland, and now he's at the Championship with Hull, where he's competing for starting minutes with Matt Ingram. And what you see there is goalkeepers who have seen the way that Jordan Pickford and Nick Pope and Dean Henderson have developed their careers in the last decade, who've all made similar journeys going on loan to very low levels to get themselves a taste of senior adult football, going through the ranks, proving themselves every step of the way and eventually finding success at a high level to get themselves into the international scene. Both Jamie and Nathan are still very young for goalkeepers. They're still in their early 20s. They are on a fantastic track, and it can be really exciting for Chelsea fans to follow their progress towards a potential successor for Edouard Mendy. He's not going anywhere for any time soon, but if these guys keep developing, you look two, three, four years down the line, and there may be a very interesting prospect coming up. Back in the Premier League, Billy Gilmore kicked off his stay at Norwich with uh, a decent display against Liverpool. It was challenging for, for Norwich against such a quality team. And you'll see more of Gilmore as Norwich play, play opponents where they're more likely to take points. Armando Broja wasn't quite ready to make his Southampton debut away to Everton alongside former Chelsea teammate Tino Livramento. Ralph Hasenhutl hopes that he'll be available for this weekend. And Conor Gallagher should be in line to make his Crystal Palace debut after he was forced to miss the game at Chelsea by Premier League rules that mean you can't play against your parent club while you're on loan. Finally, we'll... Look at E.K. Ogbo, who is a long-term academy graduate who's been out on loan at several clubs in England before finding success in Netherlands and in Belgium over the last couple of years. Last season, he scored 16 goals for Circle Bruges, a typically mid-table team in Belgium, and a really strong reputation and was on the verge of agreeing a 5 million euro permanent departure to Genk. Except at the 11th hour, Marseille from Ligue 1 have decided to come in with an offer see where that goes it would be a, a very prestigious move for Ogbo who reportedly harbors hopes of a senior international career with Nigeria that one is pending but either way he should be moving on at the end of this transfer window and becoming another successful Chelsea Academy graduate in a summer that has seen some unfortunate departures but if you want to take a positive spin it has funded a move for Romelu Lukaku either way thank you for listening catch you next time for more news from the Academy Hey, again, great stuff from Phil. Always appreciate his insight. Go show him some love on Twitter, at Chelsea Youth. Uh, thank him. I think I'm going to start working with him on some of those things. We're going to continue to dive in uh, and add more light on the academy. But, uh, Dan, that wraps it up. Arsenal match preview plus youth update in the bag. Uh, only one more. Oh, wait, no, two more nights sleep. That pesky Sunday fixture until it's back. So enjoy the match, like Dan said, Saturday. Um, hang out with us on the Discord. I'm sure Dan, you'll be in there digging around. Um, matches. I'll be doing things. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we, you guys set your fantasy Premier League lineup. Brandon leading the pod group right now, week one. Easily. Um, don't forget. Don't forget. So, anyways, that's going to wrap us up. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Chelsea uh, versus Arsenal match. We'll be back on Monday with a match review, as always. So, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do? Keep the blue flag flying high. Yeah.